Uh, welcome to the first ever uh, simulcast simulcast uh, scouting live. The NWHL go go six go. By the way, um, the NWHL has imp- has uh, made me think I need to get on the Twitch bandwagon and at least present my uh, myself there on that on that platform as well. Doesn't look like any viewers are in over there just yet, but uh, I guess it would also make sense to uh, post the link. Um, I also want to shout out uh, Brooke Boakfist, Michaela Grant-Mestis, just great foundational members of the Toronto Six. A little bit flustered at the moment, trying to get this off the ground here, so bear with me. Bound to be... um, Bound to be some technical issues on this. Uh, David, I did see your question regarding uh, regarding the uh, the elite prospects list. So let me just pull that up um, as I'm tweeting out that I'm live. Doot, 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 doot. Twitch. Uh, also, just a PSA from me. Um... If you're ever at the grocery store and you are looking at the Doritos, don't buy the dynamite sticks that are chili lime flavored. Uh, I'm going to say uh, don't watch it. Um, oh, uh, Stofferson, my Twitch channel is just twitch.tv slash scouching, so it should be over there as well. Um, there's a viewer on Twitch. How neat. Uh, welcome. You're the first one, whoever you are. Um... All right, let me pull up EP's ranks, EP's ranking here and pull it over here. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, so... It's, um... Actually, I probably shouldn't just pull it. It's paywalled, so I don't want to show the actual article. Um, but I'll go, I'll go through it. I mean, I think it's going to get talked about anyway. Um, but in, in any case, I don't want to show work that I don't have the authorization to show. Uh... So, <clears throat> now that I have my bearings straight, um, hey, it's you, Car Carhu, it's me. Hello. Um, oh, there we go. I can do multi-stream chat in this. I'm learning as I go, so I apologize. Uh, welcome, welcome very, welcome very much. Hello and welcome to the show, to everybody at both platforms. Um, okay, so, I'm gonna have to go back to these questions for a minute. Uh, yeah, so EP's ranking, EP's ranking, we can start with that right off the bat. So, uh, if you don't know, uh, William Eklund, um, first overall on their list, honestly, I I can see it. I'll pull it up, I'll pull up my list, because I have changed it quite a bit in the last week. I've tried to circle back on a lot of high-end guys and, and see um what what what's going on and and try to delineate things a little bit more sorry i'll try not to lean on the desk anymore um i mean right now i've got veneers first wallstead Liesel, eklund and ratu and hughes are all in that in a first tier to me i I would say that any of those six players you i think you can make an argument that they should go first overall in my opinion um I, I if there's an argument for William Eklund at first overall, I absolutely get it. Um he's producing much better than Fabian Liesel is at the SHL level. Um 
and the data that I have on both is pretty heavily favoring Eklund. I, I think there's more to like with Lee Sell down the road once he gets more experience at the SHL level, but Eklund kind of hit the ground running. But he's also playing first-line minutes. Um, but but Eklund is, you know what, if someone went out and picked Eklund first overall, I I would, it would surprise me, especially because he's not a center or a defenseman or whatever, uh, and I wouldn't say that he's a typical first overall pick, but a really good complimentary player, really smart, really good puck mover, and a good, you know, a good shooter, really solid player overall. I, 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 I would not complain if I, was a, if I was a fan of a team that picked William Eklund first overall. They have Brant Clark too. I personally wouldn't have him that high. I've been watching him quite a bit in Slovakia. I watched him this, this week to do two games. He, I, I think I'm up to about 40 minutes of, of five-on-five game data, or five-on-five minutes I've tracked. He's been up and down. Um, you know, there's a lot. The thing about Brant Clark that kind of spooks me is that for an offensive defenseman, the data that you would think about an offensive defenseman excelling at, he doesn't excel at. His offensive transitions aren't great. He's under 60% pass completions. You know, he steps up from the blue line really, really well. He's a, he's, his defensive transition game on paper is good, but he plays very much of an attacking style defensive game. Like last year, I pushed Samuel Knazko pretty hard because he did that to a very high level and was very effective at it. I've seen Clark do it and be very effective. Um, I, I think there's a lot more to like about Brant Clark than Samuel Knazko, to be honest. Obviously, uh, the skating on its own is like eight steps ahead. But when I look at, um, but when I look at Brant Clark, the defense, the actual playing defense part is the tough part. You know, Brant Clark is kind of a weird hybrid between that Jamie Drysdale and and sort of Kale McCarr style of player. Um, I, I, I think there's a bit more of that. I, 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 he's a weird hybrid, and the results that I've seen so far, like, there are weird things that I'm noticing on the ice. He's very vocal, and a lot of the time when he is very vocal, it's for not a particularly positive reason. Like, it leads me to believe that he thinks he's better than everyone at that level. I don't know if that's true, so don't don't quote me on it. But he he is calling for the puck a lot. He's trying stretch passes a lot. He's icing the puck a lot. You know, he's trying to... It seems like he's on big ice and trying to use the big ice to his advantage. And what it ends up doing is just clouding his judgment a little, it seems. Like, he's getting chances offensively. He's he's solid in terms of defensive transitions and closing them out. Really much more in a straight line kind of way. Once there's lateral mobility involved and he's got a close play out along the boards, he gets really soft... Uh, a, a little bit too often. I, I, a two. Some people really like him. I'm, I'm not of that. Uh, I'm not part of that group. Um, they've got Beniers at three. I can't complain about that. I, I like Beniers at three for sure. Owen Power at four. I mean, uh, we can talk about Owen Power. I want to see more of him before I really make any rash judgments. He's at ten on my list, and I. He's in my second tier. I don't think I would consider picking him before eight. Like I, I would, I, I would push for Clark and Johnson ahead of Power, but Power could easily muscle his way into the top five for me if his season improves. It's just what I've seen is really troubling. 
especially for a player that comes advertised as like Victor Hedman or like a potential Norris Trophy winning defenseman. He's a big defenseman who's getting, who's facing quite a lot of dangerous chances from in front of the net that a lot of it is driven through his play. He's getting bailed out by Nick Blankenberg quite often, who's more mobile. He's more skilled with the puck. Um, you know, he's more tactical with his defense. Owen Power gets beat wide a lot for a defenseman who has that kind of reach. He relies on his reach almost exclusively for way too long. Uh, the lateral mobility is tough, but but again, with Owen Power though, if he got if he's if the goalie if his goalie stops the puck behind his own net and Power's wheeling around below the goal line and trying to get the puck from his own end into the offensive zone, he's very good at it. He's very hard to stop. He's got good skill for a defenseman. He can get a real head of steam going. It's hard to stop him. And he can basically do what he wants. And he does that at the NCAA level, which is impressive. But, like, that's, to me, where it kind of starts and stops. His passing game is really hit or miss, but when it's on, he's got a real hard passing ability behind him. But he just doesn't hit his passes as often as you would hope. Um, I... I, I'm not writing him off. I mean, he's a top 10 pick to me. Like, I certainly would not pick him over... Or, sorry, I would not pick guys like Gunther or Robertson or Borgo over Owen Power. All of those guys, I think, you can sort of take a step back. I think there's a solid top 10 here that we're talking about. Beniers, Wallstead, Liesel, Eklund, Ratu, Hughes, Clark, Johnson, Edvinson, and Power. I would say that's the 10 to really keep your eye on. Um, as like potential, even a long shot first overall pick, but that's part of the group. Um, Wallstead at five, you highlighted Pinelli at six. So I guess from here on out, because I think the rest is paywalled, I'll, I'll highlight the ones you specified. Um, I, I look at, who am I looking at? Who am I looking at here? Uh, David. Yeah. So Pinelli at six, uh, I don't really know. I... I have asked around a little bit. A bit of it comes from how he's looked skating in the offseason and everything. I personally am not going to put a player that I have not seen play at all and who has not played anywhere in the top 10, let alone ahead of the names that are after him on that list. I I don't mind Francesco Pinelli. I think he's got, you know, a nice sort of complimentary offensive package to him. If his skating has improved over the offseason, then maybe he could be a little bit higher than where I have him on the list. It's really hard to go off of it, though, because he hasn't played. Um, so I maybe that's the right call, but I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know anything else beyond what most people know. Um, Cruz Lucius, was it? Which one, Cruz or Chaz? Uh, Chaz. Chaz Lucius at 13. I've heard the injury problems are not good. Uh, very less than desirable. Uh, let me just double check at the old live stream. Okay. Uh, there is nobody there. All right. I'm going to close it down. Um, so yeah. So when I look at, when I look at, uh, Cruz or Cruz, Chaz Lucius, he's a, he's a guy who spooks me because he's, his best assets are finishing. Like a lot of legwork needs to be done in order to get him in a position to finish. And I'm not a huge fan of drafting those guys really, really high in the draft. I, I need guys who can enable those players to maximize their talent. I, I don't really like how Cruz Lucia or Chaz Lucius gets around the ice, but there is great skill and he can navigate the offensive zone um, and finish amongst the best in the draft. You know, 
I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, but again, if the injuries are as bad as they seem, and if the, um, and and if you know if he doesn't play at all this year because of injuries, not because of coronavirus, that is a bit of an issue. That's hard to gauge. I I again at thirteen at, down the road maybe he's the right guy. Um, but we were dealing with a guy like Hendricks Lapierre who dealt with a few different injuries last year and still dropped from a top 10 pick, top 15 pick to where he went to Washington. So we'll see. I wouldn't be comfortable taking Lucius that high, but if there is someone, I wouldn't be surprised because of his finishing ability. But I, I don't see much outside of that that really moves my needle. For Schwozel at 14, again, a bit high. I, I I like his mobility. To me, it strikes me as recency bias since the World Juniors a little. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I tracked a game of his today to, to double check. Um, his puck management is not always great. He plays with a lot of panic in his game, quite a lot. Um, good defensively, though. Like, he's he's a guy who scores a lot in junior, but but he's a better defensive player than I thought. So that leads me to believe that they're trying to, like, get him to play more defensively first. But he's dumping the puck a lot. He's taking time to survey the ice and then dumping it. There's, you know, really weird decision-making offensively to jump into the offensive zone, although that seems to have taken a step back over the course of the year. Um, I just, I see maybe a capable two-way defender out of Schrozel right now. Maybe that changes by the end of the year. I have him at the end of the first round. At 14, he skates well, like pretty well, but I wouldn't, I I, I don't know, again, like I'd, I think I would be more comfortable taking swings on other guys. Uh, Svechkov at 17, I, I respect that because I think Svechkov has been really, really good. Um, I, I, I don't know about 17th. I mean, I've got him at 25. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's going to be a perfectly fine middle six sort of center, you know, a guy you don't have to worry about a ton. He's got some good skill. He's, he can, he, he has this talent that I think takes players a long way where he can corral really chaotic bouncing pucks all the time. Uh, he does a really good job of staying on top of the chaos of the game, I think. And, and, and that happens a lot with his team because Lada's men's team is bad and he whenever he's on the ice like i'll pull up his data so far i think i've done three games um so svechkov there he is like some of this is crazy like he's a net positive defensive transition player he's an extreme one of the best offensive transition players i've tracked this year as a center um so he's working uh, I, I look at his pass completion percentage and I'm a little bit concerned, but when you look at the guys that he's playing, like they can't handle a pass to save their life. Um, you know, not the most threatening offensive player, but again, like we, sometimes we talk about players who are on bad teams and how to isolate if they are the cause of them being bad. All of this leads me to believe that he is not the cause of it, of that team being very bad. Uh, tons and tons of involvement in transitions going either direction. Uh, and he's a net positive going both directions. And that to me means a lot. He's getting to dangerous areas when he does shoot like 57% to the middle of the ice is pretty good, especially for Russians. Um, I mean, there's not much to really dislike about Fyodor Svechkov still again, like a little bit high, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be picky. I, I think, I think that that 17 in this year's draft, especially if if the 16 names on my list were gone, 
here and I was looking at, I mean, he's in my fourth tier, right? So if all of these guys are gone, Cheka, Olausen, Chibrikov, Lambos, Pinelli, Grushnikov, Samuskevich, Svechkov, Moro, Svozil, Othman, and Huckins. If I had a bunch of people trying to convince me that, 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 that above all those guys, Svechkov was the guy, you might, you might be able to make a case. I, I wouldn't be all over it, but maybe I could see it. Um, LaRue and Dean, Voigt and Wong. I mean, I can see why you wouldn't like Zach LaRue a whole lot. He comes and goes. Uh, I absolutely can understand that. I have him ranked really high because I believe in when you look at a player at their best. And when Zach LaRue is playing his best, he's great. But he disappears a lot from what I've seen. Uh, Zach Dean, not a huge fan. I, I they, they mentioned in the article that he could be a defense first center. I don't think he quite has the size to do that or the pace to his game. He's got some good skill. Sure. I, I just, I, I see a player. Like he's just, he's fine. It, but again, that just goes to show what kind of a draft we're dealing with. Uh, Voight and Wong. I've got more time for Tyler Wong than I think some people might think. I like his sort of potential with the rambunctious skill that he's got. He's, uh, he's a mover and shaker. Um, he's creative offensively. Uh, didn't score a ton, but not many people on Kelowna did last year. So I, I don't mind Tyler Wong overall. Again, both of those guys in the first round might be a bit much for me. I, I don't... Ty Voigt, I really tried. I went back and watched some tape from last year. And again, unless there's serious improvements in the offseason that no one is privy to, but maybe the people who work there, then then so be it. Then great. Um, I don't know. But I look at Ty Voigt's play last year and I go, all right, another one of these guys who's a, a bit of a low pace transition player, but he gets the job done at the OHL level, but some good offensive skill that he can that he can pull off. So overall, like it's a every list this year is gonna be crazy. There's nothing really that you can do about it. Uh, I mean, I look at my list and my second round compared to most people's might be completely whack. But I don't know. If you're going to shoot your shot, shoot your shot. Like if you like guys, you like them. And there's a lot of guys who I think could be had in the second round that might be interesting swings. And you have to sort of look at this year's draft that way. That's kind of how I see it. Um, and I think there's some interesting talents that you could capitalize on in that in that range that aren't getting a ton of attention but maybe not as good of a player as like a lot of these rock solid, maybe complimentary pieces down the road might be. The rest, it's like you take a flyer and see what happens because you like X part of their game or Y part of their game. Um, hey, Will, can you compare Le Raymond and Liesel? Uh Yeah, I, I could see a little bit of, of similarities between the two. I think Liesel has a bit more of that like, Liesel, to me, is a bit of a cross between, like, a Lucas Raymond and a Tim Stutzla. Like, there's a lot of skill there. Like, Raymond has a lot of skill, sure. I think Raymond's shot was better than Liesel's at the time. Um, but when I look at Tim Stutzla, for example, like, the skill and the sort of electrifying pace that, that Stutzla brings is kind of there with Liesel. Liesel, I think, is the two-way kind of guy that Raymond is like Raymond is a good defensive player and so is Liesel. I mean, he's, he's applying himself defensively quite a lot, working to get pucks back. He, he causes a lot of turnovers uh, and so did Raymond. Stutzla didn't quite do that as much, but, the, but again, it's more about Stutzla's pace that I see a lot in Liesel. Um, we'll see. I, I still want to do more of Liesel in the SHL, but when I, the game I tracked of him in the SHL, he certainly looks like he belongs. 
And if the rumors that are percolating, I mean, I, I've asked around. I don't believe that there's anything legitimately bad about Fabian Liesel, uh, but I know that there are people who are unhappy with how he handled exiting for Lunda and basically strong arming his way into the SHL. But when you look at how he plays in the SHL, like sometimes people who do that kind of thing are right. And when you bet on yourself like that and try to risk taking that sort of reputation with you, I, I, and it works like that means something to me. I think, I think that's a, that's a, that's a big move. And, and it seems to be working. I've really liked him in the SHL and I'm curious to see what he does with more experience at that level. Um, what's your, oh, sorry, posted it. Uh, USHL got me hooked. (laughs) Yeah, glad you're enjoying it. It's fun. Um, let's switch over to multi-stream, I think. Uh, oh, it's not quite caught up yet. Okay. Uh, if Holtz and Eklund were in the same draft, who would you take higher? Probably Eklund, but it would be close. I mean, Holtz is a great goal scorer, um, but I think it would, I would lean Eklund, but it's, you could convince me either way. I would lean I would lean Eklund though, but it's like 55-45. Thoughts on Gunther? I know you haven't gotten to watch him much this year, but curious of your opinion. I, I can't really say a ton. I've seen one AJHL game he played and he was underwhelming. Like he should be scoring like five points a night in that league, and he's not. Um but I don't I don't have anything to diagnose because it's a really small sample and he's probably just getting his feet going. I'll need to take a look at him though at some point for sure. Will, are there some comparables from the past few years for some of the top 2021 prospects? Um, that's an interesting way to put it. Like, who would you compare to previous years? I think some of these guys are, like, interesting hybrids between a few different ones. Um, like, yeah. Like, Atu Ratu is kind of like a weird hybrid between Jesse Puglia-Yarvi and Anton Lindell. Like, there's there's a weird combination of size and speed that Puglia Yarvi has, but the smarts and skill, or the and the skill that Puglia Yarvi has, but like the 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 brain of like a of a Lundell, like Lundell was really smart, but the pace of his play was the problem. But he was doing it with pace of play issues in the Liga, which isn't as big of an issue as like an OJ OHL player who's having problems with pace. Um, when I look at Atu Ratu. I certainly don't see those problems at all. Um, I, I think he has shown more than enough in the last two times I've seen him that, you know, he's he's on the right track. And I think he's an interesting hybrid of a couple of, of those of those players, Pugliarvi and and and, um, and Lindell. It's, it's an interesting play. He's an interesting player for sure. I mean, Simon Edvinson, uh, elite prospects hired like Philip Broberg. I could kind of see that. Um, I don't think he's as much of a project as Philip Broberg. I think he just has one giant glaring issue and that's managing the puck. Like he just has a lot of trouble managing the puck intelligently. Like people compare, like the thing that kind of sticks out to me is like Rasmus Ristolainen with, with Simon Edvinson. And like, I know Ristolainen is kind of a meme at this point. Um, but the thing about that is that I, Ristol, like, think about Ristolainen's developmental curve. He went straight into the Buffalo Sabres when they were horrible. And they were chaotic, and there was turnover, and he was clearly not ready. And they just slammed him to top pair duties and top, top two pair duties almost immediately. I, I, I just can't 
I can't look at Rasmus Ristolainen now and say, well, the Buffalo Sabres are idiots for drafting him in the first place. Like, I look at that and go, you see him play hockey. Like, you watch him play hockey now and you see the talent. You can tell. He's got skill. He's a decent skater for a big defenseman like that. And you wonder what another couple of years overseas would have done for his game before jumping straight into the Buffalo Sabres roster at that time. I, I, I just have a hard time believing that his development would have been the same had Buffalo known what they were doing with him. Um, but again, like I, I wouldn't put Simon Edmondson in the NHL next year. I wouldn't put him in next year. I'd probably put him in at least two years from now and let him learn how to play at the SHL level and then bring him over and see what he can do. Um, maybe, but anyway, like that's the other one that pops in often that I think is legit. Um, people are talking about Victor Hedman with, with Owen power. Again, I, I've said this before, but the name that keeps sticking out to me is like a, a Tyler Myers. And that's after watching Tyler Myers playing this year. Again, Tyler Myers is a guy who once you get ahead of steam with the puck on his stick and he gets moving, he can get moving. Like, that's certainly a thing that that is attractive. Um, it's just, you watch t- Tyler Myers play and you're like, oh my God, my hair is about to lay on fire uh, from, some, from time to time. And that seems to be how Owen Power is, at least right this second from what I've seen. Again, top 10 player to me. Tyler Myers was a very high draft pick as well. You know, like it's not impossible. And I think that's more up the alley that I would think as opposed to a Victor Hedman because, I don't know, I watch Victor Hedman play hockey. Those guys don't come along very often. Um, I don't remember Victor Hedman when he was draft eligible, but I don't think that Owen Power in the SHL playing big minutes like Hedman did when he was draft eligible would be producing the way Hedman did. I just, I don't see, I don't see that. It's a fast league. They play hard. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see it, but, but that sort of Tyler Myers vibe I get more often. I mean, and Tyler Myers overall is a fine NHL defenseman. It's just not, he's, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's moments with Tyler Myers and there's moments with Owen Power. That's really it. And again, it's still somewhat early in the year. Could just be adjusting to the NCAA, but we're over, we're what, halfway through the NCAA season now? I don't know. And if teams are expecting him to be in the NHL next year, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, all right, let's go to the multi-stream because I can do that. How much do you know about Samuel Hellenius? A lot. I mean, I've seen him play a lot, um, tracked a few games. I think he's a big player who can make it work. I, I like the skill and the skating that he brings for a guy who's six foot seven or six foot eight or whatever. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll pull up the data that I've tracked on him. So f- actually, let's do this. So I'll pull up Ratu on one side, and then on the other, we'll pull up uh, Hellenius. Now, Hellenius, I believe, has only gotten two games. So again, grain of salt. And I think across the board, Atu Ratu has an advantage here, uh, which he does which is okay. Um, that doesn't capture the whole thing. Oh, well. Um, so when I look at Hellenius, actually, I could probably... Okay. Does that all fit? Not quite. Um, there we go. That's good enough. Um... So so when I look at so when I look at Hellenius, he's a big player that I think could make it work. I said that already. Um, you know, Ratu is driving results a little bit better. 
but when I look at Hellenius, you know, there's a bit more of a playmaker streak around him. He gets pucks in around the net really well. Um, you know, tries to make plays when he can, chips in where he can. Um, you know, I, I like Samuel Hellenius more than most people. Um, <clears throat> I, I, but again, like a low, he's a relatively low upside guy. He is a bit slow to adapt to defensive transitions. I remember now that I'm looking at his data, like just reacting and using his reach effectively and, and moving his feet at the same time are things that I think he needs to learn. But when it comes to getting the puck on his own stick, moving the puck up the ice, getting to the front of the net and making a play around the front of the net, he, he can do it. Uh, you know, so he's one that I'm curious to keep tracking for the rest of the year for sure. Thoughts on Yusaku Ando uh, looks decent with the Phantoms. Yeah, he's a good player. I, I like Yusaku Ando, um, but I haven't got him ranked. I, I, I remember seeing him at the under-20s last year for a really fun Japanese team, and he just didn't really stand out. I mean, it was a really young team, um, but but it was weird to see a player who, you know, even though he was a 16-year-old playing in an under-20 tournament, it was like the Division 2A tournament, or 2B, and I would think that someone highly touted from Japan would be shooting the lights out in that tournament at that level, even at that age, but he was fine. Um, I, I've i seen Youngstown play, I think, once this year. They're not very great. Um, but again, like, he seems okay. And and I'll, I'll have to circle back on him. He's one that I've had on my list for a long time to take a look at, actually. So maybe I'll do that tonight after we're done here. But he's an interesting one. But uh, again, I just haven't... He Looking decent is probably what I would categorize him as well. Um, but again, like looking decent at the USHL level on a bad USHL team, it maybe as a late round swing, if you think there's something there, but I'm not, I'm not sold. Uh, EP had Scott Morrow at 16. The people need to know how much higher will you rank him? I I did a game of Scott last night. Um I don't I don't think like he's very good. I'll 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 pull up his data after 3 games now. Um like Scott Morrow is legit. I think he should be a first round pick. The more and more I watch him and the more and more I watch the rest of this class, the less and less I care about him being from prep school. I would really like him to be at the USHL level. He was traded, I think, in the USHL recently. So maybe that means that he's going to switch over from team for to another to to that league at some point. Um especially once the prep school year is finished. But I don't know. I I look at Scott Morrow though and see tremendous data for sure. Um if you think about him through the lens of being an offensive defenseman like you know, I, I think he could be, there's a chance that he could be like a great offensive defenseman in the NHL. Like, really great. He's skilled, he's sneaky, he's fast, he's strong on his feet. But the defensive side of the game at the prep level, he there he's a he's not a step behind, but he just is very passive. And you know, he, he has a 19% defensive controlled zone transition rate, but a lot of that is based on his positioning and capitalizing on reading play in advance and, um, and, and picking the puck up on turnovers over the blue line and all those things rather than like physically imposing himself, like someone like a Jake Sanderson did last year. So if I, I wouldn't expect Scott Morrow to be a, a Victor Hedman two way monster of a player, but he could if the mobility gets like the mobility is there so if the if the brain goes in that direction at north dakota then absolutely 
um i look at i look at i look at scott morrow and see a very interesting project to work with um he's a great kid from that interview that tony ferrari did with him i love it uh he he's got a bit of a sense of humor and like takes things in stride he knows he's in a bit of a weird position being at shattuck as a draft eligible like there's nothing i can say that that really like makes him worse in my mind i i don't know i i but again like i have him ranked uh at at 26 i mean the guys i think it would be more likely that other players end up behind him and of the guys that might end up behind him like on draft day maybe a grushnikov maybe uh 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 maybe lambos if i if he doesn't get a whole lot better this year um but again it would be tough to convince me to take moro over a svechkov who's been playing against men in russia on a bad team and driving those kinds of results that he's been driving samuskevich you could convince me to take moro over him but i think samuskevich's ceiling is is huge uh Pinelli, i again maybe you could convince me to take moro over Pinelli because Pinelli hasn't played but that would be a tough one based on what i saw last year um and but again a lot of that comes back to level of play so if moro goes to the ushl you bet yourself that i will be tracking games um because i want to see how he does uh and if he looks in the ushl like he does in prep even if he's 90 percent of the player he was in prep then i will pick then i then then i would move him up higher for sure like all things being considered if prep school hockey were better than it was and and we were just looking at an equal playing field which we're not i mean scott morrow would be way higher on my list you know like when i look at him versus danny chaka do i take morrow i i i kind of like morrow but i haven't seen morrow at a level higher than the ushl when he played there last year Whereas Daniel Chayka is playing in the KHL and not getting absolutely pulverized. Which has more value? You know, like, Chayka's the known asset. Moro's more of a black box. Do I believe in Moro? Absolutely. But we're talking about, like, a top 20 pick? Might be a bit much, but I don't, I don't, I don't hate it, but it might be a bit much even for me. But it's, I, I could, again, it's early in the year. I, I could I could still easily be convinced because I've got all the time in the world for Scott Morrow. Uh, Will, tell me which prospect Ottawa needs the most. Honestly, Matthew Beniers. I think Beniers would make a great senator. Uh, him with Kachuk and Stutzla? Are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, it would give the Ottawa Senators the center that they kind of really would like to have, in my view, as an outsider. I know I'm wearing a red jersey, a red shirt, but I'm wearing actually go Toronto six, go a Toronto six sweater. Um, so yeah, I would say Beniers without really hesitating a whole lot. Uh, I think he would be able to drop right into that roster after a year at Michigan. He's looked great and drive play with the Ottawa senators with speed and tenacity at both ends. Like, DJ Smith would not dislike Matthew Beniers, I don't think, based on what I'm seeing out of the Ottawa Senators and how they want to play. So I, I think that's a no-brainer. Like, if the Ottawa Senators have first overall, would I consider Jesper Volstead? Maybe, but I think Beniers would be a better fit for what they're trying to do, and you worry about goaltending later. Um, that that would just be my vote. But I know that if it's gonna if it's anyone at first overall for Ottawa, it's probably gonna be Owen Power. But it would be Beniers. I'd put be pushing for Beniers because I think in Ottawa he'd be a great a great fit. Is Gunther ranked too low in EP's rankings? I'd have to look it up, but uh, I'm not sure. 
Gunther's just not... he. The expectation is that Gunther should be exploding the AJHL, and when he has played, he wasn't. But again, hasn't played a ton. He's a he's one of those weird cases. I don't know. I I mean, based on last year, I mean, I, I feel relatively comfortable with him ranked in this range here. I, I but again, I based on what I've seen of Robertson and Borgo and Rosen especially, I could be convinced to take them over Gunther. But if Gunther plays like he did last year, over a bigger sample, then maybe. Please talk a little bit about Borgo. I loved him watching him today. I stayed up for those. Oh yeah, Michael. Uh, I believe you're in Sweden. I could be wrong, but forgive me if I am. Uh, welcome. Yeah, uh, Borgo was an interesting one. I need to circle back on him, actually. Uh, I, I, I really... I like what he could be. He's similar to LaRue in the sense where he can disappear from time to time, but you can't really argue with his data. Um, you know, solid passing numbers. His offensive threat, around 20, I would say, is is good. And he's driving a lot of it through shots. He attacks the middle of the ice really well. He shoots it a lot. But but he got he does get to the front of the net a lot. Like a third of his team's shot attempts are his. Um, you know, he's creating a lot of shot attempts for his team one way or the other. I, I like I like what Borgo brings to the table. There's some skill there, there's power to his game. Um, you know, like if you get like an Alex Tuck brand player out of Borgo, I think you're laughing. But Tuck I think is a better defensive player, but I think he also learned that over time. And Borgo you know, if he applies himself a little bit more and, and plays a little bit more away from the puck, uh, then I think you're going to look at a really interesting player here. But in terms of an offensive power winger that can get to the middle of the net, get to the middle of the ice with the puck, I think Borgo is right up there. I, I like him. Uh, I think he's easily a top 20 pick at least. Um, I was watching a Sioux Falls game to watch Sillinger and I couldn't help but be impressed with the defenseman Brent Johnson. Um, I'll have to... The name rings a bell, but I'll have to check him out. Um, Brent Johnson. Yeah. It rings, a, it rings a bell. So I'll check him out. Just because you said so. Um, next. Oh yeah, Scott Morrow, we already went over. Uh, who do you think... Uh, who do you think? Oh, okay. Who do you think, like Nimala or Hoaglander or Robertson, will be play a player ranked in the first round or fringe first that falls to the second or early third and exceeds their draft slot? I mean, this year is gonna be silly and weird. Um, I'd be curious to see where Simon Robertson gets drafted. I really like Simon Robertson. Um, Isaac Rosen might be that guy, but I don't think so. Uh, but if it's Isaac Rosen, you draft him in the second round. And you sprint to the you sprint to the stage and draft him. Um, Logan Stankoven might be a guy that slips out of the first round that you should draft. I I really like him. Um, based on what I saw last year with Stankoven, I I like. Um, someone recently I was talking to compared him to Brendan Gallagher, which is a tall order. But if Stankoven can be that type of a player, then I'm all over it. I I love watching Brendan Gallagher play hockey. So. So Stankoven, I think, is a good is is a is a good option as well. But he's because he's small, and and hasn't been playing a ton this year. But I mean, if he starts slipping into the second round, then then I'll I'd I'd push for Colin and Colin his name for sure. But it's also hard to tell until the draft. Um, what would you like to see Pastijov improve in his game to get ranked higher in your list? Any chance you've seen William Trudeau? I've seen William William Trudeau play. 
Uh, yeah, no, I I don't really like what William Trudeau brings to the table. I've I've seen him. I've tracked two games of him, and they were both really bad. Um, all like almost across the board. I want to like William Trudeau because I like the production, and you know, in terms of the offensive puck management, I like. But the rest of the game, I just I need to circle back, and maybe there's something I'm missing. But those games did not feel very good to track, and you know, I just I don't know. Charlottetown defenseman. Last year, Lucas Cormier rubbed me the wrong way at 5-on-5. Five five. Trudeau's kind of doing the same this year. Uh, and with Pastizhov, I mean, there isn't a ton of pace to his game. Like, the thing about this is that I'm always looking for players that can push the pace of the game, keep opponents on their heels, you know, be creative on the fly. Um, and if they're not able to do that, other things need to be at uh, X level. And with Pastizhov, I think there's good skill. He's got a good finishing ability. He's, he can navigate the ice at his own pace well, but, you know, I'm noticing him gliding a lot with the puck on his stick around the ice, uh, finishing a lot of plays that other players start. Like, I am much more interested in a guy like Dylan Duke, who just is a, is a, is a, is a wagon. He just goes and goes and goes and drives offense over and over and over. So I, 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 I mean, Pastajov, I think, I mean, I have him in the second round, I think. Um, where is he? Do I have him in the... Um, yeah, so I have him ranked at the 41st slot as a second round pick that you, that you draft as a potential offensive complementary scoring winger and you let other guys do the hard, the hard work, moving pucks up the ice and such. Sure. You could see, I could see that. But again, like when I'm looking for first round players, I'm looking for pace, you know, speed, skill, two way motor and, and all those things that sort of go into scoring points rather than guys who can shoot and 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 deke really well which pastajov can kind of do so i mean i i need to look more into him directly but i i've been more enthralled with other ntdp players this year overall when do the scouting reports start okay so yeah interesting question because uh this weekend i hope uh i'll be able to film the first nhl rookie report so if you don't know what those are you can find them on my channel from about a year and a half ago when the nhl season started in 2019 um, looking at NHL rookies adjusting to the NHL. So right now, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, to get six out. Last year, I did four, I think. Um, so if I can do six this year, I'm happy. Uh, I also, the but the scouting reports probably won't start until March, until it's been seven months for some of these guys to play, because I track seven games and usually it's once a month. So around March, I think you can start to see them. I will also say that I've been considering this week, uh, sort of reformatting them to shorten them a little, uh, by basically, you know, what I'm finding is that I'm trying to encapsulate the players, but very strictly in individual categories. I'm keeping the categories, but I'm going to throw that at the end. Um, and before is just going to be an all around look at the player's game. I find that it would be easier for me because a lot of the components of hockey go like this together and breaking it out individually, inevitably it bleeds into everything. And I found that watching last year's videos, I was saying a lot of the same thing a couple of times and going back to sort of the core aspects of the player's game over and over and over again. If I can sort of slim it down, not only does it save on production time, but I can probably make more and it probably will be easier to watch when they're not 20 minutes long. There might be a way for me to get like the clips out to help 
elsewhere because I do use a lot of clips in those videos. So if that's a real problem for viewers, I'm more than happy to listen, but it's something I've considered, uh, especially after watching back some of last year's videos just to check my own work, which is something you should probably do, even if you hate the sound of your own voice like I do. Uh, and yeah, Ratu's in the top tier because he's been great recently. Uh, what do you take from Dalian getting benched last week? Do you think he needs a true defensive defenseman as his partner? Uh, I've I've seen... <laughs> Yeah, Dalian has not looked particularly great this year. I don't know what's that what that's all about. I tracked a game of Dylan Cousins. Um um I tracked a game of Dylan Cousins and saw Dalian play there as well. Not playing super well, but like Brandon Montour is not a guy I would consider like a defensive stalwart. Uh but yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what I think about it to be perfectly honest. What I do know is that writing off a 20-year-old defenseman who's had a career like he has had so far in the situation he's been thrust into would be foolish, uh, especially after having so much time off. Like, things are weird. So I wouldn't write too much into anything really happening in the NHL recently, except for that Pierre-Luc Dubois situation, which got rectified. Um, but I look at Darlene and and say, you know, like, he's not having the best year being objective as I can. Uh, from what I've seen of him. But yeah, like, I don't know what he needs, but I think Brandon Montour always has been a guy who defensively is just not quite on the same level. Good skill, good offensive instincts, but away from the puck defensively, kind of bad. Not great. And that will make Darlene suffer because he also has been just fine defensively in his career, but like more of the offensive offensive puck manager. Anyway, it's it's still early in the year, though. He's a young guy. I wouldn't worry about it um, because, like, he's just 20 years old and he's been great so far, all things considered. And this year just seems to be a bit of a tough one for him getting going. Your top 10 from the past two years combined. Uh, as in, we'll say, all right, we'll say past two years, I, I mean, I don't know, 2019 and 2020, that's a lot. I got to pull that up. Uh, uh, takes too much time. Um, but I would say that the guys in last year's top 10 for me, probably Beneers, maybe Wallstead at the tail end. Um, like if I could bump Jack Quinn out of last year's top 10 and insert Matthew Beneers, uh, pull, uh, like pulling out Jake Sanderson might be tough for me at this point, based on what I, what I've seen of him this year. Uh, but pulling him out and putting Wallstead in, probably you could convince me to do that. Outside of that, though, like this year's top 10 is, I wouldn't say, on the same level overall. How good is the 2022 draft? Much better. Uh, I really, really like the 2022 draft already. Great group of players, I think. Um, what are your thoughts on potentially getting rid of the draft entirely? I'm all for it. We've been over this a few times, actually. Like, not not to, like, yell at you, Joseph. But, um, like, it's been asked a few times. And, like, the thing that keeps coming up for me is reassessing the draft where instead of a draft, you gotta put it on the, on the teams to sell the players on their programs. And, but you also have to enact controls so that the teams can only spend so much and only acquire so many players. I would rather, what I would rather is like a courting period where players can talk to teams and teams can talk to players. Each team gets 
X amount of contracts and X amount of cap hit to spend that can only be three years or whatever limitations you want to put on it. And those contract slots and that money can be traded just like anything else, like a draft pick. Uh, And then you basically spend whatever you want. Like if that budget is say three contracts for $10 million and you only want to use one and you use it all on Alexi Lafreniere and offer him a $10 million contract for three seasons, by all means, go ahead and do it. And if you think that's what it'll take to convince him to join your program, then do it. Um, You know, and if the NHL can't, if there are NHL franchises that can't keep up, I mean, we just saw guys like the Arizona Coyotes hand Clayton Keller $8 million a year. And uh, Lawson, was it Lawson Krause? Christian Dvorak, like $5 million a year. Like, there's money out there. You know, like they spend the amount of money that they might spend on development might get reappropriated differently. Um, you know, I think it would create interesting shifts. And and if you make it like a day of just chaos where rookies are signing left, right, and center, I think that would be really interesting. And it would be a great television event. You know, like where's Alexi Lafreniere going to go? Nobody knows until the day of. They've been He's been talking to these teams all week. These teams are ready to offer X amount of dollars and forego an ELC slot or two ELC slots or teams are contenders and they're trading ELC slots for this or this or this. I think it would be really cool. Um, And like, because I think you need to give more freedom to the players to choose where they want to play. I think you need to give more freedom to the agents to negotiate better deals for their clients because that's what they deserve. Um, But again, like the logistics of it, this is just off the top of my head. You would need to iron it out. I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not an expert um, in terms of all of this stuff. But I think swapping the draft for like someone mentioned a rush week would be really, really fun. Um, and I think it would be really a, a lot more fun for the players as well. Um, okay. Yeah. And okay. So someone just commented like it would end up like the NCAA, but that's why you need to enact controls. There's only 30 NHL teams they all have a lot of resources. Their salary cap is all identical. NCAA recruits, it's no holds barred. So of course the teams with the most money and recruitment and everything, sure. But the same 30 NCAA programs are great every year, which is fine, I guess. They're the best programs. To me, I, I look at it and go, you you kind of need to... Like the draft itself is weird. The concept is weird. And I personally think that if a team, like if the Arizona Coyotes can't convince anyone to join their program at all, that's on them. Even if they offer someone $10 million a year, that's on the, uh, that's on the team. Like, so like if, if you like, I like Arizona, I've been there many times to visit family. I, I would play hockey in Arizona. It's quiet. The landscape is beautiful. If the organization is a mess, then you're going to draft people who are a mess anyway, or they're going to end up a mess because you're going to make a mess of it. So whether you draft or do this other strategy, like it's going to end up struggling no matter what. Um, okay. Yeah. Too many buyouts. Daigle would have gotten $10 million. I mean, Daigle got a huge contract when he was drafted and he busted. I don't know. Like, but again, like these players, the RFA rule is the problem fundamentally the fact that teams can do whatever they want, basically, um, teams can do whatever they want and the player can't do anything. 
if they request to trade well, then they're selfish. What do you, what, how could you not want to be a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets? How could that be possible? Like, anyway, I'm, I will happily take the draft indefinitely, but if it is going to be shifted, the only other option is allowing the players to choose where they play. And then you could have a draft afterwards for all of the other players that didn't get a contract right away. It's just taking the best of the best and saying, you guys get the privilege of whatever, uh, choosing where you play more often. So in, in my view, I, I, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta, the draft is fine, but there are issues. There are issues with the other option that I'm portraying, but it gives a lot more leverage to players and agents and takes a lot of power away from teams that wield that power in in my opinion kind of reckless ways i guess or at least selfish ways like they know they have leverage i just don't understand how it would be bad for parity like if if you have if you have 10 million dollars in your elc locked up in alexi lafreniere and you cannot spend any more money and you get no more opportunities to draft rookies Good, you got it yourself Alexi Lafreniere, but I don't see a situation where the Toronto anyone would give Toronto Maple, the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, their ELC money to spend on the best guys out there. But yeah, I mean, I think I think if anything, the NHL needs to put more responsibility on owners and teams to start figuring out their own stuff and start making their own money. The reason players are so mad about escrow is because escrow is payments to equalize the 50-50 split between hockey-related revenue. So the owners are paying money to players and the players have to pay that money back because the teams don't make enough money to cover those differences. Is it the player's fault then that they're not making enough money? Or sorry, is it the player's fault because they're making too much money? You try telling that to the guys making middle of the road income in the NHL and might only play 300 games. Like the owners are the ones with all the money. And their businesses are not, like, they're the businessmen, and they're not generating enough income to make that 50-50 split equitable. Yet their general managers are getting authorized to hand out all these expensive contracts. Like, no matter what, there's BS in hockey. There's BS in professional sports. So if you shift things over to a more freedom-based model for the players, then great. Um... Jesper Volstead at two. I can't see him not going top five. I mean, he'll go high, I think, Volstead. Uh, who's someone you started... Oh, I feel like I fell behind on this quite significantly. Um, what do you think about Danny Mesuel? What are your chances of making the NHL? I've never been huge on Mesuel, but he's a big dude who can hit and he can skate. That seems to be enough for a lot of guys. I don't know. I, he, it's still early in his career, though. Uh, I'm trying to catch up here. I lost my spot. And I take too long to answer questions. Um, okay, uh, thoughts on Trevor Wong? Um, I kind of went over it. I don't mind him. Interesting, uh, interesting two-way skill, um, but a, a tough to read because he hasn't played this year. Oh, Robert Love is here. Crap. Uh, what's the deal uh, with Kuzman? Oh, Dimitri Kuzman's a lot of fun. He's playing in Belarus, five foot eight defenseman, but he moves really, really well. Um, and his data, and he's playing against men. Um, he's finally starting to score a little bit in recent in recent weeks. Um, insanely good transition data going both directions. Uh, you know, for a defense, for a small guy, 
against playing against men. I mean, the Belarusian league is not necessarily extremely high level, but it's not terrible from what I've been seeing. Um, you know, there are some NHL players who have gone back to that league or, or are there now. Um, 30% for a small player is pretty solid. Um, oh, I just saw the thing pop up. Where did you have Pedersen ranked in 2017? I had him at three, uh, and I don't think anyone else did. And if I wasn't a coward at the time, he would have been at two, for sure. Uh, insane possession results for Kuzman. Passing is rock solid at 75%. Um, offensive threat, like is, he's throwing 10 dangerous passes per 60 against men into the front of the net. He tried a lacrosse goal as a defenseman from behind the net. Um, crazy good offensive transition numbers, although he's not doing it a tremendous amount of time. He just makes it count. Um, so I, I, I like what he brings to the table a lot. I'm going to be doing more on him. I hope that he comes to Flint if the OHL happens, but I've heard that he won't. So if he's stuck in, in Belarus for the rest of the year, I'll try to do what I can to get a video uh, out on him. Uh, who's someone you started tracking and watching this past week that you really liked? <laughs> Dimitri Kuzman. Um, do you have an NHL? I'll have to think about that one. I felt since Atu Ratu has been super solid since the World Junior, Finland's decision to skip on him is looking better and better. I mean... For his mindset, yeah, you finished your I finished your sentence. I agree. I mean, I don't know about like sending a message, but I do think he was struggling with confidence, and and like, you know, he was playing very timidly, um, gripping his stick too hard. Like, just you kind of wanted to sit him down and just chat with him to me, but it seems like going to the under twenty level to get his legs moving again and getting aggressive again with the puck helped him a lot. Uh, because again, like I've said, the last two games I've done have been spectacularly good. Um, and if he keeps playing like that, he'll be higher on my list than he already is. Um, couldn't be higher on Lisa. Love his game. He's very good. Should the Rangers target Kent Johnson for their future one C? I would not play Kent Johnson at center. Um, I mean, yeah, I would not target Kent Johnson and expect him to be a number one center at all. I mean, he's an underrated, he's got an underrated motor at both ends of the ice. Um, for sure. Uh, but he's been playing the wing predominantly, filling in at center here and there, but largely on the wing. And I'd rather him on the wing personally, like day one. I, I think that his skill is best served to the wing. He can chip in defensively well, which I think is a good trait for him to have. But I, I think he's, I think I would rather him be a winger and, and be that skilled guy. Like you paste him, you, you put him in a room with Artemi Panarin, if you're the Rangers and you go learn everything you can from this guy. Cause I could see potentially that kind of a ceiling for Ken Johnson. But again, like Ken Johnson has issues, but I think they're issues that over time should work themselves out. And the skill is impeccable. The, there are issues that are other letter, other offensive skills that might be a bit of a problem. And he, and he does seem to think he's playing in a video game a lot of the time, but he's a really, really good player that I think could be a really good winger. Uh, but that would be my, that would be my two cents on that. Um, hey, Will, what's your take on some of the guys from Michigan? Bordalo, Beniers, Johnson. Bordalo took a big step this year, for sure. Uh, for sure took a big step. Johnson, um, who am I thinking? Oh, Kent Johnson. Um, yeah, Bordalo, Beniers, Johnson. I've really liked Thomas Bordalo. He's his skating definitely has taken a step from last year. From what I remember, um, look feeling a little silly, uh, having him in the, in the second round in retrospect, but that it would, it would have been hard to tell that his skating was going to come as far as it has. Um, cause it was not great last year relative to what he's doing this year. 
But Beneers, I love. I've got him at number one. And Johnson, I've got not far behind at eight. And I, I think Johnson could be as high as seven to me. Top ten, no question. Uh, pretty sure you've got Sasser Pastajov as a goalie. Do I? Oh, I do. Oh, weird. I'll have to fix that. I think that's supposed to be Sebastian Casa. I'll fix that. Don't worry. Thank you. Good eye. That might have sat there for weeks. Favorite overagers you think deserve to be picked? Pavel Chutniev, Cameron Berg, Michael Satara. I'd say as well on my watch list. I like Mix Tumanovs. He's a Latvian defenseman. He's fun. Um, Victor Mancini, I think, should still get drafted. Matvey Banikov. I had him on my watch list briefly last year, and I panicked and took him off, but I think he should be on there as well. Alexei Kozhevnikov, Yegor Suchkov. I'll still go to bat for him. Daniil Amurzin. I've liked Anton Danilov. Uh, he plays with a really bad team. I think it's like the second, like if SKA has two MHL teams, 1946 and Variagi, I think the team that he plays for is uh, the Red Army's second junior team, but I could be wrong. He's been really impressive. Uh, but again, you're looking at a D plus one playing in Russia. Russian junior. Uh, analytically, what is the best coaching system? I know people don't like dump and chase. Which coach runs the worst systems in the NHL? Uh, I don't know how to answer that question. I know a little bit about coaching tactics, but I don't know too much. I mean, I like aggressive tactics, like a 2-1-2-4 check. Um, you know, I, I, but again, like in terms of offensive rushes, I'm not a huge fan of the stretch pass approach. I like a lot of defensive support. You know, like if it were up to me, like you watch old Soviet tape and that's the way of, that's the kind of hockey that I like hyper mobile defensemen who can move the puck really effectively on a breakout centers who are willing to circle back in the defensive zone and command the middle of the ice wingers who don't just park themselves at the offensive blue line waiting for that sort of trickle pass or the ability to chip it in from the boards. No, I want them building momentum with that center as well. So circling back in the neutral zone to build speed, that's kind of what I'm looking for out of a tactical system at least on an offensive rush. And when you have, and I, I want all of my players to at least have the motor to chip in defensively, you know, like at least have it or at least the majority of the players on the ice have it, you know, like I'm not super interested in guys who are really passive away from the puck, letting everyone else do sort of the work and getting them the puck. And so they can turn play around themselves. Not super interested. Uh, obviously it's sort of a give and a take who, who kind of out, what kind of outweighs the other, uh, but in terms of specific coaches, I, I don't really, I don't really know. What I do like is coaches who recognize the teams that they have and adapt their systems to that team. Like DJ Smith in Ottawa, he knows what he's got, I think, and he's trying to leverage it as best he can. Like he's, he's leaning into the physical sort of hockey kind of thing there and leveraging the sort of speed in their youth a little bit, um, in ways that I think is is a good way to sort of tread water, but. I, I can't speak to specific, uh, specific stuff. Uh, glad I, you're glad. I, also, you're glad I support the NWHL. Yeah. Thank you. You should too. Uh, it's all free on Twitch. Uh, it's good hockey. It's fun. The Toronto six are exciting, uh, for both good and bad reasons. They, they blew that game on the weekend, which was a lot of fun to watch because Toronto, uh, and they won last night, which is great. I had it open before the stream. I don't know what's going on in the game, but um, really strong, uh, viewer numbers as well for Toronto six games. So that's, that's really encouraging as well. So, uh, definitely something to check out. Um, 
and support directly for sure like this sweater i can't say a bad thing about it it's like honest i i swear one of the coziest sweaters i own the the logo is like stitched on really nicely the drawstrings feel like they're not like i chew on drawstrings from time to time which is probably gross um probably didn't need to tell you that but i do and these are good these are good ones for chewing not the not the best drawstring chewers that i own um but they're up there uh i really like zach dean let's flip back to mo i really like zach dean any reason in particular he's lower on your rankings than others i'm not huge on his pace there's skill there there's a motor but he's a bit small uh I, but again i need to circle i need to do some data on him because i i i feel like there's something i'm missing i'm not huge on him um because i just don't know how projectable his game is like ep puts him as like a defense first center not super interested in those of the first round uh best offensive defenseman in the draft probably brant clark um yeah probably brant clark you know in terms of offense only at the end of the day maybe that could be owen power or simon edvinson um but yeah I would say I would say Brant Clark could be should be the best offensive defenseman out of coming out of this draft. Honestly, wild card would be Scott Morrow. Uh, in terms of offense purely purely offense, I I could see Scott Morrow being a tremendous offensive defenseman in the NHL if you give him a couple of years. Naraj, what up? I don't understand why Hughes is not unanimously ranked above Power. Besides being three inches taller, I'm not sure what Power is better at. I'm actually surprised Hughes isn't getting more one chatter. Yeah, I mean, Luke Hughes has problems, but I think the issues can be fixed uh, by by just sort of experience and time. You know, the biggest thing with Luke Hughes that I've noticed is a problem is that on defensive transitions, he's doing the right things, but it's not paying off. He's poking with his stick, but he's not hitting the puck. He's trying to take guys out with his body, but he's not finishing the job. Um, you know, he'll he'll get along the boards and apply pressure, but he won't close out the player. The player will get through him one way or the other with control of the puck or chisel the puck past him or chip it past him or whatever you want to call it. I, I, I don't know. I think, I think Luke Hughes has a lot of potential. And the thing to keep in mind, Luke Hughes is almost a full year younger than Owen Power. And I look at what Luke Hughes is doing this year compared to what Owen Power was doing last year at the USHL level, I always knew there were things about Owen Power last year with Chicago that kind of gave me the GBs. Um, and a lot of those things I think are being exposed at the NCAA level. Um, he's been, he had a great weekend though, so maybe he's improving significantly. Um, but Luke Hughes also has been improving significantly over the course of the year. Uh, so we'll see. Um, but I, I have I have Luke a little bit higher and in a tier higher than Owen Power because I think in a year you could be looking at a, a real heck of a two-way defenseman in, in Luke Hughes. Um, a few decent players played for Shattuck. Yeah, but I don't think it, very many have been draft eligibles. Like Artem Schlain last year played for Shattuck, and he was a draft eligible. Um, so it's kind of hard on the prep school circuit to push your way into the first round, at least in 2021. Uh, when do you think we'll see hockey gain popularity in countries outside of Europe and North America? Also, what do you think the next country hockey will become mainstream? Um, I mean... I think I think what the NHL needs to do or what somebody needs to do is like organize like organize things that illustrate why hockey is so great. It's really hard to promote hockey in a lot of countries because a lot of countries don't experience 
the conditions required to make hockey like to make hockey happen like ice is unfamiliar to a large portion of earth's population um or at least it's not super common in terms of naturally forming snow and ice and stuff like a lot of places it doesn't snow very often um so i would look at i i mean i think i think street hockey needs to be pushed more in around the world especially in developing nations and and stuff I mean, there are countries uh, that have burgeoning hockey programs. One thing I'd also recommend, go on YouTube and search for uh, like roller hockey, but like not on inline skates. There's a version of hockey that is basically field hockey, but played on those roller skates with four wheels, two by two. And it's awesome. It's so fast. It's great. Uh, So I highly recommend it. Like there's a, a gold medal game that was recently played at the inline championships between Portugal and I believe Argentina and it was awesome. So yeah, check that out. Uh someone said South Korea. That's a that's a good one as well. Um I'm waiting for China, but I don't think it's ever going to come. I mean, from what I heard about the experience China had playing in the Russian leagues at the lower levels, they weren't going it, it wasn't going to work the way they wanted it to work. They they were trying to factor in like Chinese cultural practices and like all of these things maybe uh Maybe that could work over a long period of time, but it it was a it was a totally different hockey culture that was very strange to a lot of players uh, and a lot of staff. Um, but I don't know. Maybe things will change in China, Japan. Someone suggested I saw, so maybe that's another one. Um, Japan's junior team has been looking very very fun as well. Uh, they're they're a good young team, and it seems to be catching on a little bit with a with a good group of young players coming up. Uh, and coming to the USHL and stuff. Um, da, 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 da. With Matthew Savoy ripping it up in the USHL, do you think he's making the conversation for first overall more interesting? It's possible. He's been really good from what I've seen in the OHL or in the USHL, so I've liked him. Um, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's per- perfectly possible he goes first overall next year. I, I personally could see it. Uh, still very early, though. Thoughts on Hoaglander and how did he drop so low? Because he wasn't great defensively uh, and he's not six feet tall, so teams devalued him. And also he's European. Uh, all those things factored in. And he's a winger. That's why. Uh, Malinen versus Koskala. Probably Malinen. I need to see more of Koskala, but Malinen's numbers have been better this year. Um, I, I, I like Malinen's skating as well. I'd, I'd be willing to bet on that. Have you liked Logan Stanley as an NHLer or Veselainen? I haven't seen either. I don't. I haven't seen the Jets play this year yet, unfortunately. Uh, any chance we see Perfetti? I just saw that he was moved up to the taxi squad, so maybe. Uh, but that's really it. Have you watched any Sharangovic this year? Yeah, I've seen two, like a game and a half of the Devils. The shot is there. Like Sharangovic's shot is there. It's available. Um, you know, again, I think if you get a serviceable guy out of Sharangovich based around his finishing ability, then great. Uh, I've liked him. I think he could be a player, but maybe not like an extremely high-end one, but just perfectly reasonable. He's been fine. He's been better than the typical fourth-round pick, I would say. Lafreniere intrigues me. His skating is showing flaws now that he's not playing against teenagers. Lafreniere reminds me of Tavares and how he needs to improve. Yeah, I mean, Lafreniere obviously is on the list of guys that I want to do a video on. And I tracked a game of his. I'm going to do two games this year. So before I did one this year, I want to do two. So Lafreniere in the first game that I did this weekend. Um, I mean, again, like the, 
I think Lafreniere is doing enough things well enough to be great. Um, you know, like I, I, he's he as of today, he's doing a lot of things in the NHL that are fundamentally good. The problems with him are again pace of play. He's you know again this is stuff that I highlighted a multitude of times last year. Pace of play gets ratcheted up in the NHL really really fast, and there's an adjustment period for a lot of players. You know, I don't think it's going to last the whole season for Lafreniere. There have been multiple chances, both in the game that I tracked and the games I've seen, where he could have easily had points. So I I don't know, like, he could have a week where he's playing four games and he scores seven points in two of those games or three of those games, and it would regress back to where it should be. I I think he's, he's doing the right things a lot of the time, but anyone expecting him after having watched him last year to hit the ground running and score a hundred points as an NHL rookie, I think is not really seeing what, like not really grasping just how intense and fast the NHL is. Lafreniere was a guy who reacted to opponent pressure very well, but he reacted to QMJHL pressure from opponents, which is very, very different from the NHL. Um, I, I think he'll get there. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, so I, I, I like him. Uh, he's been fine in the NHL. He has not been underwhelming. I don't think any of the players that I tracked really have been like bad, um, which is good, I think. But yeah, he's, 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 he, I think he's on the right track. Like if I'm David Quinn, I'm talking to him after every game where he's not scoring and going, buddy, you're doing the right things. Just keep focusing on getting quicker. Keep focusing on doing, doing what you're doing and, and, you know, just keep, learning and don't get discouraged whatever like i i don't think there's any reason to look at alexi lafreniere's play so far this year and be concerned particularly they're putting him with guys like panarin uh and that that he needs that to get sort of going but i i like him uh obviously he went first overall um can you explain lafreniere's struggling i kind of did already just literally just now (laughs) um alex kisikov first round yes i wouldn't but uh I know he's been rated first round by CSS. I wouldn't put him there. I know he's scoring a lot of points. I need to see more of him, but the more I see of him, the more of the heebie-jeebies I get about him. I He's got good skating ability. He's got good pace to him. Um, good passer. Uh, the data on him is good, but I just have a hard time really believing that what I'm seeing is going to... Like, he comes and goes at the, SA, at the MHL level. Um... He comes and goes at the SHL level. Yeah, like not passing the puck a whole lot. And when he does, the puck's not going anywhere except to his opponent more a lot, a a little bit too often. He's getting his shots off from dangerous areas a lot. He's counteracting that with good dangerous passing rates. But again, like offensive threat at the MHL level, that's not great. Um, His transition data is better defensively than it is offensively, which is not what I expected. Like at five on five, he just seems fine. Um... But he's like, he alternates between being good and okay. And even if I'm buying him at his best, maybe there's an interesting playmaker there who can get to the net with the puck. But I'm not holding my breath, at least not in the first round. But maybe in the second round, you could start pushing him to me. I have him ranked lower, but I could see the appeal. Uh, Any European prospects you could see coming to the NHL and making a difference after their season's end? Uh, well, it seems like the Oilers can't wait to get Philip Broberg to play uh, in Edmonton. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, 
maybe Lucas Raymond can come in and play for the for the Red Wings at the end of the year. Uh, I imagine it's going to be more common to see playoff teams getting those players, and I don't think Detroit's going to be a playoff team. Um, Alexander Holtz maybe coming to the Devils if they continue to be a pretty good team this year. They've looked pretty good from what I've seen. Uh, I haven't looked at the standings today, unfortunately. I've been quite busy, but uh, yeah. As far as the defensive crop goes, where would Drysdale and Sanderson compare to 2021? Um, I'd probably put Drysdale in the probably sixth slot ahead of Luke Hughes-ish, probably. And Sanderson, if I'm using my hindsight, based on what I've seen, um, Sanderson probably would go in the eighth slot, I would say. So Drysdale at six, putting Hughes at seven, Clark at eight, then Sanderson at nine, I would say. That would be my, that would be my push. How different do you think things would be if Winnipeg got Puglia-Yarvi, Columbus got Line A, and Edmonton got Dubois in 2016? Look, Hardiv, I love you. But looking through Puglia-Yarvi through the lens of 2021 based on how his career has gone, I, I can't do that. Um, I mean, how bad would the Leafs be if they took Line A? I don't know. I don't think... I think Line, I think line A is something the Leafs kind of need. Like, the, if, especially if they didn't have an Austin Matthews. Like, Patrick Laine is a pure goal scorer. Toronto doesn't really have that. Like, Austin Matthews is one of the best 5-on-5 goal scorers in the league, but he was drafted ahead of Laine. When I look at Patrick Laine, I go, okay, if that guy's playing with Mitch Marner or that guy's playing with John Tavares... How many goals is Patrick Laine scoring in a season and how much do Toronto Maple Leafs fans love him? Um, with with Puyu Yarvi, um, you know, look, uh, yeah. He, he had, to, it took a lot of convincing for him to come back to Edmonton and he's looked really good. So, I don't know. Again, sometimes, sometimes the guy who is causing a fuss is right. Uh, hey, which players should I keep an eye on in the NCHC? Oh, goodness. Uh, NCHC? I don't even know what schools are in there. Um, I'm not super into... I mean, North Dakota and Denver are always fun. Um, those would be the ones that I would just highlight right off the bat. St. Cloud State has VT Mietinen, so that's another one. Uh, though, those are, those are... VT Mietinen's up there. Jake Sanderson in the NCHC is another good one. Or are we talking... Oh, wait. Yeah, no. NCHC. Uh, sorry. My brain is fried a little bit. Also, Hardev, you're very welcome for the daily podcasts. Well, not daily. I This would kill me if I did it daily. Um, Do you think the owners of teams like Columbus, Winnipeg would agree to such a model? Teams, that, Look, I've been to Columbus. Um, It's great. I I would play there, personally. And I am not that much different from any normal person. I mean, I'm a, I'm weird. I'm a, I'm not, what is normal anyway? Um, so when I, when I look at like Winnipeg might have a hard time, but you can trade that money. If you could trade that money and Winnipeg could, you know, like, I think the other thing I met, I, I only mentioned in passing was like, after a certain pool of players, you know, after team, after that day, you could just gridlock spending money on these rookies and then have a draft the next day for the rest 
of the players. You know, like Winnipeg could trade their ELC slots for assets now or whatever and, you know, use the draft to try to get who get guys who may not want to be in Winnipeg. But, you know, I don't know. Like, one way or the other, no matter what, like, Winnipeg already has a hard time convincing players to come to town. So, yeah, I could see why you wouldn't want to have a draft and or wouldn't want to get rid of the draft. But, like, again, no matter what, you're not going to fundamentally change the fact that guys don't that it's hard to convince players to come to Winnipeg. Like that's a, that's just a matter of fact. So no matter what the model, sure. But again, in that model, at least Winnipeg would have the flexibility of still having draft picks and being able to trade that money for assets because they don't think they're going to be able to convince a player to come in. And I mean, God only knows what that money might be worth. If there was say a bidding war for Alexi Lafreniere, you know, like if Winnipeg was the saving grace it's like the New York Rangers want Alexi Lafreniere so bad that they're going to outbid someone, but they don't have the money. And they pick up the phone and call the Winnipeg Jets and say, hey, we need X amount of dollars because we're making a bid on a player and you're not involved. And the Winnipeg Jets go, well, wouldn't player whatever look really good in a Winnipeg Jets jersey and wouldn't Alexi Lafreniere look really good in a Rangers jersey? I think the negotiations around that could be really interesting. Um, it would be, it would be interesting. Uh, it would give Winnipeg leverage and, you know, in, in a sense, um, it would just give more flexibility to the situation as opposed to now where you're basically saying you are going to come and play at our program because we say so. And we get to control you for up to 11 years, the next 11 years of your life. You don't get to decide where you play. You don't, you don't even get like right from the get go. If that's how they want to keep doing it, for sure. Uh, I don't know how it breaks down in terms of players uh, or young players viewing the draft as a positive or a negative or existing NHL players. I don't know if that ever would come out, Um, but it would be interesting. Uh, And teams in certain cities start behind the eight ball for tax purposes and or geographical location. Yeah, but like everywhere has pros and cons. There's no, again, there's no such thing as a perfect anything. No matter where you go in life, no matter what you do, who you do it with, how much money you spend, no matter what you do, there's trade-offs. Like, this isn't a perfect thing. There's gonna, like, you have 32 different markets all competing. They're all gonna naturally have pros and cons. It's just a fact, and the system, that, those pros and cons also factor in now on free agency day. All of those things factor in. And yet the league is still extremely close in terms of parity. I just, I, the, the question was asked, would you do away with the draft? I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't get rid of it, but if I were to get rid of it, I would replace it with like, what else would you replace it with? Cause if it was just a complete free for all, then there would be a lot of issues, but I'm trying to insert regulations here. Like no matter what you do, there's going to be issues with any system that you implement anywhere. Like, that's that's just a that's that's how things work. There are winners and losers no matter what you do. Like almost all the time like any sort of large scale program. It it just that's how it works. Uh would you adjust for local taxes so that each team is equally competitive within cap constraints? No, because people again, you can't just look at income tax as like this is the tax that is paid. There is so much more that goes into a tax code that a good accountant and a good financial manager can 
get you around depending on different jurisdictions like the tax thing sure i'm sure that factors in in some places for sure but adjusting for local taxes it it it's like you're you're focusing on a on a very specific factor that leads to the difference between your salary and what you take home that is a very specific small part of it the rest of it like the the rest of it you could there's a there's a lot more that goes into that soup between um you know there's a lot that goes into that soup and i i i, I don't know like again the nhl does not supersede society hockey and sports does not supersede society they are people just like us so in my view they got to play by the same rules as us and at the same day we're talking about players who are making millions of dollars and in this day and age it is easier than ever to get endorsement deals for various products the economy is the strongest it's ever been there is countless ways to make money after you retire nowadays like nhl hockey players who are here for a long time the nhl has the lowest the nhl is the highest minimum wage in professional sports that's another thing that like nobody talks about the lowest possible salary in the nhl is very high like you know there's there's but 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 hockey and sports and professional athletes they're not above like adjusting taxes and adjusting this and adjusting this just for these individuals to make the leagues as equal as possible the nhl is already extremely equal like we're not going to build a perfectly logical like you you got to drop the you got to stop things somewhere you know like if you make things anyway it's it's taxes are extremely complicated and the difference between what you get paid and take home can vary between me and any of you who live down the street from me if you do like there could be vast differences based on how we use our money what we spend our money on who we have as an, as an accountant if we set up a business to structure things a certain way there's a ton of factors that go into that so i i wouldn't i wouldn't jump to we need to adjust all of these external factors to make things as equal as possible because i don't know i just don't i feel like that's only just going to create more confusion and more problems um than than there already are like i don't think you're ever going to find perfection um what is happening with Kotkaniemi? Why is he not realizing his potential? I thought Kotkaniemi's looked pretty good. Um, he was also drafted way higher than people expected him to be drafted, so also keep that in mind. Um, like a good two-way center, but you used a third overall pick on him. Um, Goose in Michigan, did that happen? Nice. I hope it did. What makes Sam Miskevich better than Coronado? Skill, pace. Coronado is a really good USHL player, really smart um no bs gets the job done in terms of producing offense but when i look at um when i look at when i look at sam Eskevich, i see a lot more potential um a lot more potential there's skill there's two-way aggression but but coronado certainly is more effective and efficient when he's on the ice which i think is fine but i have a hard time believing that over the course of the full season coronado is going to sustain what he's been able to do he's also older but not by a whole lot oh no they're almost identical in age i was looking at the wrong number it happens 
Um, I, I just think that with Samuskevich, there's more pace to work with and that if he learns over time to work with it more consistently, take control of games and, and use it to his advantage, I think there could be a really, really good player there. Whereas Coronado might be a good complimentary guy. You know, I could have him earlier, but I mean, I have him ranked 39th overall, which is about in line with most people. Uh, have you had any, had any thoughts on Olin Zellweger? Uh, gonna need to look that name up and look him up later. Thank you for the tip. Just traded Hronik and Batherson for Byfield and Demko. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Dubois line A trade? Um, I don't, okay. Like, I don't know why Dubois wanted out and I don't really care. It doesn't really matter. On one hand, yeah, you can look at Dubois and how he played and go, he quit on the team. I think that that is a reasonable assumption to make, but I also will also not assume that Dubois did not have reasons to do what he has done. I don't know. I honestly do not know. Um, I'm not a huge fan of how he handled his exit, kind of forcing their hand there, but I'm not going to pass judgment in a situation like that. That was pretty extreme, and you don't see that very often. And usually people don't do that out of nowhere. Like, I never would have expected Pierre-Luc Dubois to go out of his way and do that uh, kind of thing to, to get him out of Columbus. Um, but that leads me to believe that there was something that, and they said it wasn't the coach, they said it wasn't management, and at that point, I don't really, you know, it, it wasn't the contract. Um, at that point, I don't really care if it was a personal, if it was just, I don't like Columbus and GT me the F-O out of here. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois would be an interesting person to ask about what you think about the draft. Um, getting line A, I think, is a great ad. Columbus is not afraid of snipers. They drafted Chinahov. Uh, so there's that one. They drafted Putia. There's another one. Uh, so they like guys who can shoot. And if Patrick Line can shoot, then he's going to be able to, and I mean, sorry, Patrick Line can shoot. He's going to be just fine. But I think Winnipeg added a very good all around player. But if Columbus gets Line sort of settled and, and reset in his career and sort of continuing the improvements he's shown, they're going to have a great player. I think that trade overall over the, over time works out for both teams. And the only situation it wouldn't, I think, is if Dubois actually was just being extremely, uh, extremely just sour and rock star mentality. But I have a hard time believing that. Um, you know, so if he goes to Winnipeg and he's like, I don't need this crap, I'm, I'm not no number two center or whatever, then yeah, maybe I could see that trade favor in Columbus. But I, I think over time, it'll, it'll even itself out. Uh, most likely already talked about because all the Habs fans follow you, but geez, Romanov looks legit. Yeah, he's legit. Romanov is a good player. I, uh, yeah, he's a really good example of, of, you know, you look at the Russian junior league and point production and you just can't judge it. Um, I mean, I don't think Romanov is going to be a tremendous offensive producer in the NHL, but he certainly is a good defenseman. Um, and I will take that any day. Opinion on Oliver Kapanen and Sam Hellenius. Kind of went over Hellenius. Kapanen, I need to do more on. I don't know. He's a really good finisher, has some great data to him, uh, but I don't, I question how he ge generates it. It's not really projectable to me, but I want to see more. And he's very young. 
Um, any thoughts on Igor Savikov? The more I watch, the less I like. And I know if Dylan Griffin is in here, he's gonna he's gonna find me and get me. But uh, Savikov, I don't, I don't, you know, he's an offensive defenseman in the MHL, but his defensive game is borderline non-existent way too often. Drawstring Chu ranking. Um, yeah, this one's up there. I would say uh, near the top is a, uh, I have a, a Toronto Arenas sweater that I bought. It was half off at Real Sports. Uh, my office is around that area. Um, I I bought a Toronto Arenas sweater there and uh, the drawstring on it is really thick uh, and the ends of it is actually made of metal clasped on and sewn in from there. So it's not going anywhere. Uh, and that one's fun. That That's probably top tier. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets, I was in Columbus for the CBJ HAC last year. Feels like three years ago, but that was less than a year ago, which is really weird. Um, I bought a sweater at the arena, uh, Nationwide Arena, and I love it. It's great uh, with the alternate logo on it with the cannon. Um, the drawstrings, thick end, thick end boys, but what's really fun is that you can push the end boys into the string itself and make little little burritos out of the ends of your drawstrings. So that one's up there too. Um, but if you want NWHL merch, these are these are these are great as well. Um, do you have a favorite NHL team or will you not say? Okay, I was born and raised in Toronto. Um, I was born and raised in Toronto. I was the only hockey fan in my family. Uh, you can you can put two and two together. Um, but I, I, I try to leave that, leave that with my real name in the, uh, in the, in the, in the real, in reality universe and leave it behind. This is as unbiased as I can get. At least I've, I've tried to push that more and more and more and more and more. And whenever I, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like I'm not, you know, a Toronto Homer. I don't think I could, I can I can be plenty critical about the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, for sure. And I can also be plenty critical of Toronto Maple Leafs fans because they are an entertaining bunch to say the least. How does Luke compare to Quinn at the same age? I think Quinn's a better skater. Um, I think Luke is a better puck distributor, but Quinn is a really good skater. That's kind of what puts him up a bit. Uh, but Luke is no slouch. I, I, I think Luke is a very good player, but Quinn, I think is a, a step ahead, at least in terms of skating. Is this year's draft more loaded in right defense in the mid rounds? Uh, or is it in the, I'm going to assume you mean right defense and left defense. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Unfortunately. Thoughts on Machulin. I don't know that name. I will have to look. I lived in China for 11 years and knew some guys at Kunlun. They're not convinced it'll ever get past being a novelty. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's a great way of putting it. It felt like a novelty. Um, and I spoke to someone who worked in the NHL uh, and, and, and from time to time would interact with them, said very similar things. And they were really, it was like they were just doing it for fun, uh, something to spend money on, um, you know, but just they weren't very serious. And it's tough to do that when you're not very serious. And, you know, like it's hard when their junior program, I mean, <laughs> I went out of my way last year to watch that team play, their junior team. Uh, just because again, sometimes it's good to see what a bad team looks like. Yeah, they they weren't doing much. They 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 was it wasn't great. Um, oh, Dylan is here. AKM is CSKA's second MHL team. Thank you. 
I do know a few things. Thoughts on Sillinger. I want to like him. The shot's incredible, uh, but he really is frustrating. His passing, I tracked one game this week. His passing was not great, uh, but I, 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 it's still very early. I, I think there's a good player there. I just want to see more of him. But I, but the big thing with him is decision-making and his passing combined. Really frustrating. He plays, he, he exudes, I mean, I could be wrong. Cole Sillinger, if you're watching, I'm sorry. But there's an ex, he exudes like selfish hockey. Give me the puck, I will do the job. Get me the freaking puck in the offensive zone so I can shoot it. Like there's a lot of that that feeling about his game. And and I don't that doesn't resonate with me, but again, still very early in the year and he is kind of punching below his weight class playing in the USHL. The shot is great, um but I I want to see I want to see more of a of a unit style player there rather than what can I do uh kind of player. <clears throat> Uh, what's your understanding of the NAHL? Do you think it's a good league? It's not great. Like there are D1 commits that come out of it. There is one name on my list that's in the that's in my watch list this year, and that's Evan Werner. Honestly, there's not much to his game that I really like, but he's on the watch list because I honestly think he has one of the best releases, one of the best pure shots in the in 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 at least that that I've come across this year for 2021 eligibles. Like once he gets the puck on his stick, it is gone like a rocket. He can slap it, he can wrist it. He's skilled. Like there's a lot to like I think about Evan Warner's offense, uh and he's scoring a lot of goals. So, he's a guy that I might check out more at some point if I have some spare time, but I've really liked him every time I've seen him. Uh Kentaro Ryunen potentially be an NHLer. I I think it's possible. Um Jack Johnson is killing the Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the Rangers play a couple of times and he's not looked great. But Reuninen, I think, could be an NHLer. It's possible. But they've got a lot of really good young defensemen there, so he's in tough. He might be a guy that you package for a guy that might be able to help up the middle down the road, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I like Reuninen. But yeah, I don't know if he's going to pull it off with the Rangers, though. They've, but But it's, I guess... Maybe possible. Although is he? I don't know if he's on the taxi squad this year yet. I don't. I don't know. I've. I've. I barely been paying attention to the NHL so far. Pod Coles into Vancouver at the end of the season. That's also another possibility. I think based on his contract. Uh, where does Cider rank to, among defense prospects? Oh, Niraj, thank you very much. Um, where does Cider rank among defensive prospects? Uh, yeah, he is going to be a minute cruncher. I. I really, really like Cider as like a defense first guy with solid solid offense but not mind-bending offense um yeah that's a that's a miss on my part i didn't get to see a ton of the del last year my biggest viewings of moritz cider were the d1a under 20 and under 18 tournaments and he looked extremely good there but i sat there going like this is a d1a like he should be there he's a first round pick for sure to me at the time but i was questioning you know the level of play he was playing at but he's a very good player he looks great. Every single time I've seen Rugula play this year, he's been he's been fantastic. Um, your tweet about Kempe the other day reminded me of the Elias Anderson article you wrote. He's been pretty good since he was inserted in the lineup. Did you happen to notice any improvement in his pace of play? Not really, but like that's kind of okay. Like he's 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 chipping in. Like that's where he's effective. Is just simplify. Like if you have guys who don't play with a tremendous amount of pace in junior and you're drafting them really high it's really hard to coach that into their game or build that into their game. Like they see the game at a certain pace and they're used to that. So pushing it more and more and more, they're going to regress a little bit 
probably, at least at first. With Leas, he regressed, bounced up and down between multiple leagues, and was put on a line in the NHL with guys like Boo Nieves and, you know, Brendan Smith, and just not guys who are going to help him. Um, but if he's just a guy who, get the puck and move it, get the puck and move it to someone else, or get the puck, make a skill move and move it, just simple conduit puck play is kind of what he needs to do and just be physical in the offensive zone which is something he did more and more as he got older and i think he's bringing that like i think he could be a bottom six guy for the kings no problem um i wouldn't say his pace of play is better but i think it's i think it's it, he's he's chipping in and that's kind of what you want uh would you rather take over a contending team like tampa and get the chance to re or get the chance to rebuild a team from scratch i would go with a rebuild I want to put I want to put my stamp on it personally. That's that's my vote. Um, but if Tampa came calling and was like, "Hey, help us out nailing mid round draft picks," I wouldn't say no. What do you think about Gunther? Hard to tell. I need to see more, honestly, and that's all I can really say. Uh, thoughts on William Eklund? We'll see. I I like him a lot. I think he's a smart, capable offensive winger. Uh, He's got a nice, well-rounded set of skills. He's in my first tier. Um, I, I want to see. I need, I should probably do another game of his, but but I I liked him. I like him every single game I've seen him, and the data that he drives is is crazy good for the SHL. So if I just trust my data, and he's he's probably the number one guy in terms of just looking at the data, him and probably Walshed. But but I look at I look at Beniers and see a bit more that I like but Eklund is not far behind. And if Ratu can like work on his, the quality of his shot and, and maybe, you know, use his vision in the offensive zone a little more aggressively, there might be an also very, very high end offensive player there. But I think he's going to be more of a two way, two way guy who bangs pucks in from in front of the net. Um, But Eklund, I think is going to be a great complimentary top six winger that, that, you're gonna like to watch um what is Suzuki's ceiling calling him the next Bergeron seems a little ridiculous well it kind of is uh I mean Patrice Bergeron is arguably I think it's not even arguable the best two-way like the best two-way center of the generation I wouldn't call Nick Suzuki that but he's a very good all-around center um I mean, if you want to talk about the next Bergeron, like if anyone is looking like a Bergeron-style player to me, it's like Matthew Beniers. I, I think that there's a tremendous two-way player there, tremendous involvement at both ends, tremendous transition involvement, you know, really good shot assist rates in the offensive zone. He just quarterbacks at both ends of the ice. And I, I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, Do you think Stutzla has a higher ceiling than someone like Line A or Point? Well, Point. I mean, that's a, that's a weird one to throw in there. I mean, I, I, I think it's comparable. I mean, they're all different. Those guys are all very different players from one another. I, I mean, I think Stutzla is going to be more of like a, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think of who is up there, but, but I'm kind of drawing a blank. I mean, hard to compare him to point because point is a center. Um, I mean, I, I look at Stutzla especially after having seen him in the NHL, like, I don't know exactly where to point him. Um, would you go to Finland if you got a job as a GM in a Mestis team? Absolutely. I I would love to go to some town in Finland and, and work for a team. It would be great. It'd be so much fun. 
I, I'm not really afraid of, of unfamiliar places overseas. Um, not saying that like you are or anything like I personally don't really have an issue with that. Like if I got a job to work at a hockey academy in, in Bangladesh, I'd, I'd probably do it. Um, so running a Finnish second division team would be kind of fun. And I feel like calling up guys coming out of college that I like and seeing if they're interested in coming and playing and, you know, having a bit of fun, like that would be kind of fun. And if, and if that goes somewhere, then great. Um, the answer to the question though is yes. Do you see lot? So you see lots of potential with Dylan Holloway. I mean, I think he's going to be a good middle six guy, meat and potatoes, hockey player, not a top six center. That's going to shoot the lights out, but like two way guy with some skill. He can penalty kill. He can play on the power play. You know, I, I like the diversity of the game that Holloway brings to the table. I think there's a lot to, to come. Uh, what do you think of Curtis McDermott? I drawing a blank right now. Um, did you see his snipe? I'll have to check it out. Do you think Harvard is a top five college for developing NHL players? They've had some serious talent in the last few years. It's definitely very good. Um, it's definitely very good. I don't know. It's gotten better. The guys that come out of Harvard, like, I want to see more of them in the NHL. Like, I look at, I look at Jack Rathbone and I really like him, but I like Jimmy VC came out of there. Um, like the, the Ivy league conference is not great. Uh, so I'm always, always skeptical of that until they, until I see them in the NHL, like Adam Fox, always wire to wire undervalued in his draft slot and was extremely good. Um, so that I wasn't too concerned about. Jack Rathbone, I'm not super concerned, but I don't see an Adam Fox level player there. Very good mobile defenseman, absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I like I just I'm skeptical of a lot of 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 um, uh, I'm skeptical of a lot of Ivy League players coming out of that conference. But that's only because I'm a curmudgeon at times. Um. Is there an NHL with Jack Rathbone? I think it could be possible. I really, really like Jack Rathbone for sure. Um, is there an NHL? Or, okay, yeah, that's what. The, okay, <laughs> have you seen Have you seen Keandre Miller this year? I've been impressed. Yeah, I've liked Keandre Miller this year. I think there are growing pains here and there. Uh, again, when pace of play gets ratcheted up, he's going to need to learn to adapt a little bit. But I, I, I think he's looked good. Uh, what do you think of Sanad Erdely? Is that a Hungarian kid? There, uh. There are some Hungarian kids that are floating around that are kind of fun. Mark Schleckman is kind of fun playing against men in Hungary, uh, but I've only seen him very, very briefly. Uh, not that I would draft him or anything, but he's kind of fun. Uh, and Levente Karestis playing in the NCDC, I think. He's another fun Hungarian kid. But uh, Sanat Erdely rings a bell, but I don't think I've ever seen him play. Um, what type of... What type of prospect uh, does Montreal need to be a contender or have a top prospect pool? Well, okay, so that's like the third straight Habs question you've asked, so I'm assuming you're a Habs fan. I don't think there is a prospect that makes the Montreal Canadiens a contender. Like, a single prospect does not single-handedly make a team a contender. Um, I mean, they have a really good prospect pool already also, my friend. It is very, very good. Uh, they have some very good young players playing in the NHL. 
They have some very good young players not in the NHL right now. I mean, I think the Montreal Canadiens are doing just fine, and I think that if they're patient, they'll be on the road to being a contender relatively soon. Um, I don't know. Uh, but it's certainly probably not going to be any... It's probably not going to be anyone in this year's draft, I'll say that. Like, if Montreal sucks next year and takes Shane Wright, then great. Um, I still think Montreal could use a really dynamic center. Like, if Matthew Beniers is their guy, then that'd be great, but it seems like they're a little bit too good to land a player like that. What are your thoughts on Abrazizi? I haven't seen a ton of Abrazizi, honestly. Um, he's fun to watch. I remember him from Chicago being fun to watch, but I, I would need to circle back on him. Um, do, 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 do. How do you think the BCHL compares to the USHL? What are the pros and cons of either? Well, it's hard to say pros and cons about a league. Um, I think the USHL is better hockey than the BCHL. And that's really all I can say. Like the pace is faster. The, the, the teams, there are fewer teams, I think. So it's kind of more balanced from what I've seen. Um, you know, the USHL gets really high end American talent, which I think America, the way they, they do their, they do their hockey training and the style of hockey they like, they're doing, they're doing well. Um, Whereas the BCHL, I just, I don't know. Any Junior A in Canada, you got to do a lot to really move the needle for me. Uh, Vince Dunn thoughts. Are, are the Blues shopping Vince Dunn? I'm busting down the door for Vince, but Vince Dunn. That guy is very good at hockey. And if the Blues are trading him, uh, I would I would pay a lot to get him. What are your thoughts on Mason Laurie after the red hot start in the USHL? Well, keep in mind he's a D plus two playing in the USHL. Um, I mean, I've seen him play... <laughs> I still don't get it. Um, if a, it, It's weird because you can say, oh, if the bounces go your way, you can score. Um, I don't know. I, I would need to look into some of the data, but he's almost 20 in the USHL playing defense, and he's pretty big, so that gives him a lot of advantages. Uh, but you can't deny that he's scored a lot of points, and I don't know. I, I still don't quite get that pick, uh, but if the Boston Bruins make everyone look silly then so be it because they don't have a ton in their prospect pool. What are your thoughts on Zegras, especially after the World Juniors he had? I'm not surprised he was so spectacular because he's a very good player. My thoughts haven't changed. He's very, very, very good. Uh, they, want a Dun they want a first for Dunn according to CSN Insiders. Well, depending on the team, in this year's draft, St. Louis, take him. Do you think Nazar could go number one in 2022? Probably. I don't, I don't, I don't think I've seen him. Is that guy um, one of the American guys in the NTDP? I don't know. How does Jake Martin compare to Aiden Hreschuk? I like Jake Martin better. Um, Hreschuk, I think, has better offensive tools, but Martin is one of the best defensive defenders that I've tracked this year, and I'll stand by that. I love Jake Martin. He, like, I can't wait to make the video on him because he's such a little things player. Like, he, he, the thing I love about Jake Martin is that when he's really dialed in, he is extremely mobile in all four directions. And if he catches a four checker in the neutral zone, he's not letting that guy away from him at all. Like he's, he's not positioning himself in like a zone pattern strictly. He's just sitting back and latching onto a guy and patrolling really closely. And then if he finds another guy, he just moves over and, and he just goes back and forth and back and forth all the time. His puck management is not good. He needs to learn a lot on that end, but you're looking for really good defensive players at this age he is one of the, he is undeniably one of them 
really good positionally in the neutral zone, really conservative. Um, but his, he, he, he does a lot of things really, really well. Um, what player do you enjoy watching the most from the last couple of drafts? Um, I mean, I, I, I loved watching Marat Kuznodinov play. I, I, I loved watching him play and Marco Rossi. Those two guys were a lot of fun to watch play last year. Lucas Raymond is another one. I love watching Lucas Raymond, similar to Jake Martin, like the little things. Like if you pat, if you catch on to his positioning and how hard he is on the puck and, and the, the, the pressure that he applies and just how much he goes out there and plays the fricking game. That's, those are the kinds of guys that I love watching. Like high motor, high pace, high skill, you know, trying things, trying and trying and trying and pushing and pushing and pushing. That's what I'm looking for. Cause that's what you need. Like if you want to win in the playoffs, when everyone else is putting in a hundred percent, I like the guys who put in that hundred percent right from the get go and just are dialed into that mode naturally because it makes life a lot easier there's no real adjustment period they just go so i'm a big fan of those kinds of players and and those guys are the ones that are up there especially from 2020 uh will they move the draft back to maybe january 22 i freaking hope not uh like deal with the situation that has been presented to you don't ask for rule changes to keep pushing a draft back more and more and more like to me it's just like laziness you you can you can say that you need to be in the arena to pick up some stuff but like i'm sitting here i've watched how many games have i done now um like how many of these i'm up to 217 games uh and like i'm one guy who has a full-time job and i don't feel like when i look at the lists that are out there and when i look at my list like again, I've been over this a few times. I don't I don't try to be like the antithesis of traditional scouts. The two cohorts line up a lot more than not. A lot of the guys at the top end of the draft for me, I I can't make an argument that they shouldn't be there. A lot of the guys that that are at the top end of the draft on other lists, the, the, I agree. You know, like it's it's after the first 20 or 25 picks is when things get kind of greasy, which is kind of typical because there's only so many elite level players out there. So the eyeballs line up early, but then afterwards, like with the data and stuff, I'm starting to catch on more stuff for decent picks in the mid rounds. And so if NHL teams or their scouts or whatever are complaining that they can't go in person or whatever, like you could push it back to January, 2022, but you're pushing it back and you're getting what an extra, you know, like who knows how much traveling you're going to be able to do, how much traveling you're going to even want to do. Um, how many viewings you're even going to bother getting? Like how many viewings is enough for you? You know, are you going to base your judgments off of a player playing for two months that you can see in person when there are people out there who, if the draft is in January, 2022 have been watching those players play for 14 months and the majority of them are playing anyway. They're playing in Slovakia. They're playing in Sweden. They're playing, they're playing. It's just a lot of OHL players and WHL players who have not moved yet. Personally, that's an issue for sure, for sure. But no matter what you do, this draft is going to be weird. And I think it's more than enough. It's more than reasonable to get at least a decent gauge on the scope of things and where we're at and who is better than whom and who you, you can do zoom conferences with these players. Like, do you need to be in person to read their body language? I'm not going that far. Like, 
you can make this work. And if you, and if we, nobody's going to look back on this draft in 10 years and be like, look at these idiots who drafted this player at 20th overall. It's really weird. This is a really weird situation. I think that teams should be able to get a lot of leeway if the draft is in June or whatever, that they're just doing their best as opposed to trying to change the rules and, and make it so that they can do things their way better when we've had almost a whole year to adapt to the changes that are in place now and, and change our thinking and come to certain realizations. But I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it at all. But again, like if they want to move it, so be it. But I don't really want to sit around and have the same situation as last year because last year we were sitting around yelling about prospects for like a solid five straight months as they kept pushing the draft and not telling us when it would be and all that stuff. And towards the end, like it just, it gets very tiring. And I know that I'm not the only person who feels that way. Like at some point you just want it over with and just go and pick the freaking players. Cause it's all a crap shoot. Anyway, you're just trying to, you're trying to gauge probabilities and it's harder than usual this year, but like, it's still, you're, you're gambling on the stock market, which is already in vogue in the news anyway. Um, I know you're not into training, but oh, not into training. Are you compl- Are you discussing my figure? Uh, the Power Edge Pro. I don't know what that is. Uh, is that? I, I feel like I've heard of that. I'll need to. I'll need to do some reading. I've heard of this and read a little bit about it, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm. I don't know. Any goal scorers in this draft to compare to Holtz or Caulfield? I would not say so. Maybe Cole, nah, maybe Cole Sillinger, but that's a reach, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. Isaac Rosen gets a tremendous amount of opportunities from in tight, but I wouldn't call his scoring ability that high. Ken Johnson might be up there, but he's more of a playmaker. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you think this upcoming draft will turn out to be a mixed bag due to a lot of players? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, kind of brought that up just recently. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very weird draft that you're going to need to give a lot of credit, like a lot of leeway to general managers for. Like, that's just something that I've accepted and everyone needs to. Because, like, it's really weird. Um, I, I personally don't really see much of a problem at this point based on how much work I've done. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel uncomfortable with my ranking, personally and I sit and watch tape all day, it, you know, personality traits might factor in, but yeah. Um, best possession players of the last three drafts. That's a tough one to answer because it's so, it, they're, they're the different levels of play. It's also contextual. It's, it's hard to say. Like Marco Rossi is right up there though. Um, yeah, like it's also really hard. Like looking at just raw pote- raw possession, like this is the forwards for this year. The best ones overall, Dylan Duke, Oliver Kapanen, Yeri Verlainen, and Lorenzo Cananica are all really good, but like Finnish Junior, Swiss Junior, USHL, um, like of men's leagues players. Yeah, like, I mean, Borgo, LaRue is up here. Um... But, like, they, these guys aren't, like, historically good. On defense, we'll hope oh, it refreshed. Um, also, yeah, for Power Edge Pro, I'm going to need to take a look uh, by, just, to, just to see what, it, what that's all about. 
I, I, I recognize all the logos and all the equipment and stuff, but I don't know anything specific about it. Uh, switching over to defensemen, like, Corson Kuhlman's after one game. Like, that's the AJHL, though. Scott Morrow after three games. That's the USHS prep. I mean, you've got Vladislav Lukashevich. That's the MHL. Gabrielson and Edvinson are up there, which is, I mean, people yell about Edvinson all the time, but his results are actually not, they're very good. Um, Luke Hughes, more of an offensive leaning guy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, probably my last question. Are any players in this draft going to be NHL ready right out the gate? I mean, Beniers, maybe. I feel like an NHL team is going to try to play power right away. Um, I mean, look, I, I'm skeptical on goalies, but if Jesper Volstead were 24 and putting up the numbers he puts up with Lulio, teams would be looking to sign him to an ELC and bringing him over immediately. Um, but I don't think he's going to play, obviously. Usually that's a bad idea. Um, I, I mean, maybe Eklund and Liesel, but probably just Beniers would be the one that I would that I would be comfortable with. Ratu, I'd want another year in Finland. Hughes, I'd certainly want to go to college for at least a year. Power, I'd want to go back for a year, unless his play massively improves over the next... Like, it, it, he had a good weekend. We'll see how things go for the rest of the year, but I don't know. Not really over the moon about a whole lot of them. Is Ken Johnson the next Kyle Connor? Potentially. Potentially. But I think that with with Ken Johnson, like, when you watch Kyle Connor, he has a lot of of, of speed and pace to him. Um, but yeah, Ken Johnson is, uh, you know, it's, I think it's possible. It's not, I'll just say, I'll just say it's possible. It's, it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, like Ken Johnson is a 60, 70 point guy that might score 30 goals, 30, 35 assists in a season, maybe more of a 25, 45 kind of guy, 25, 40 kind of guy I could see. What type of stuff do you do on the Discord? Just wondering what goes on and what you guys talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess this is a good place to close out the night. Um, the Discord server is just, like, it's a lot of talk and shop. Uh, a lot of guys who are on other platforms. Um, unfortunately, it's all, if, if, as far as I can tell, it's all men, um, which is unfortunate. But uh, it's definitely a good place to discuss everything we're discussing here. Um, people post video clips, people ask questions about, you know, I'm looking at this player and seeing this, what about this and this and this. Um, we just have a room just for posting hype clips to hype up players. Uh, we have a room where we post pictures of players with wide open nets and ask, does he score? The fun part is the answer is always no, um, because that's the fun part. Uh, we, what else do we have? Um you know, all the, all easy access to all the tools that I make and stuff like this, this tableau visualization and stuff are all in there. Um, announcements related to the project and all that, uh, are all in there as well. So it's all, it's, it's mostly like just a good group of people who talk about sports and hockey and discuss things, uh, from all different perspectives. There are people in there from all over the world too, which is really, really cool. It's grown a lot. So I'm really happy about, about the growth and the, and the, and the discourse, that we have in the discord maybe you've already answered this but the guys on 31 thoughts are talking about some skills oh yeah we've talked about that you might want to rewind um it is uh <laughs> yeah i'm also going to be uh doing a show with someone friday night might come out next week i think uh that will go over this as well in, in detail so you'll know 
Um, all right. I am uh, going to call it a night, guys and gals. Uh, I am very sore and tired. I went to physiotherapy yesterday, and my kinesiologist was mean to me. So uh, I'm going to call it a night. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. I am amazed that dual streaming to YouTube and uh, and Twitch worked. So I'm going to continue trying to do this. Um, gained a few followers on Twitch, which is really neat. So thank you very much for all the new boys and girls, if there are girls. Welcome aboard if you have been a new, uh, if you are a noob, a noob. Um, all the buttons below, be sure to click. Be sure to follow on Twitch if you want. Um, thank you very much for joining me and we will see you next week, Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m.